You're listening to Alcoholics Alive, where recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous share their experience on how they live AA as a way of life. None of our participants get paid or speak for AA. Here are your hosts, Shank and Wayne. Welcome to Alcoholics Alive. We've got Shank and Wayne here with a great guest. So, Shank, we are um, keeping with the theme of the Ninth Step Promises. We, we are. are uh, mm-hmm. We are more than. Uh, we're halfway through. Halfway so through. I quit. The question would be: Are we amazed before we are halfway through? I'm amazed now, certainly. I don't know if I was before we were halfway through because you didn't ask me before we were halfway through. Oh, but you are now? I am amazed. We are amazed. We're actually amazed that people keep listening. (laughs) But we appreciate you. We're glad that that you are. Um, Our guest today is Ariana. We're, We're excited to have her. I pronounced her name correctly. She just gave me the thumbs up. <laughs> Ariana, how are you? Oh, hi, Jerry. I'm good. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm excited to talk about feelings of uselessness and self-pity. <laughs> yes. Yes, I felt some of that earlier today. Oh, um, don't we all? Yeah, it's crazy. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So I'm Ariana. I'm an alcoholic. I've been sober for a few days now, about 988 to be exact. Um, but I hey, wanted so, to scare So did you look at the Grapevine app to get that calculation? I have a different app. I think it's okay. Good. It's a little book, but no, I did. Oh. I looked it up this morning because I was curious as to if I was closer. All right. My sobriety date is um, February. 14th of 21 and you know the math is all up in the air so i rely on my technology yes tell me exactly uh so my last drink i'll just qualify myself a little bit and this is just an enjoyable story for the listeners i think that we all like to have a laugh now and then but uh, my last drink was in a harris teeter bathroom um and what kind of led me to that was in fact, you know, self-pity. Like I had an agreement with someone that they were going to buy me groceries and then they fell asleep and didn't want to go to the grocery store and buy me groceries. And I was upset about it. And I went to Harris Teeter and I just bought one can of wine and I chugged it in the bathroom stall before I even left the store. Did pay for it though. And then I was like, my life is, it's gross. I don't know. It's it. No matter what I do, it does not seem to be getting any better. But I had heard about Alcoholics Anonymous before. And I feel like, you know, that was just kind of one of the dominoes that needed to drop before I finally made it into the rooms. And I'm very happy to be here now. I think that, you know, some of or some or maybe all of the nine step promises have come true in my life to date. And I definitely think that, you know, the best part about being sober for me now is just that profound, you know, mental and spiritual change. Harris Teeter bathroom, huh? Yes. 
For the they listeners that are not in the Southeast, Harris Teeter is a grocery store. <laughs> it sure is. Yeah. And in the particular Harris Teeter that my last drink was in, they had re- they renovated it. So now I can go in there without, you know, overwhelming shame because they they took into consideration oh. that shameful things had happened there and they remodeled the whole thing. So they remodeled it after you got after you drank in there and got sober. Yeah, and I'm sober now, so they just remade the whole store. How about that? That probably okay. stops you from getting triggered up too if you go in there. Oh yeah. <laughs> As it should be. <laughs> oh. Shank, what's our topic today? Our topic today, as we move on through the Ninth Step Promises, this is the sixth episode, so we're on the sixth sentence, and our topic today um, is that feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. So that's a pretty incredible promise. It's a really good promise. Mm-hmm. Tell me, how did the feeling of uselessness and self-pity disappear during the ninth step? Well, for me, this is Ariana again. Um, I kind of needed to be more aware of my thought processes and my character defects that were going to lead me to start my own pity party. And I kind of, you know, looking back when we do the fourth and fifth step, We look at where our part is in things, and then we go and make amends for them in the eighth step. So just seeing how my actions were causing my negative feelings was really inspiring. And also just going through all the steps previously and learning how to listen to and take advice from my sponsor um, was definitely helpful because, you know, for me, self-pity is going to crop up. If my spiritual, you know, um, my spiritual state isn't right, you know, it usually stems from issues with ego for me or a lack of gratitude in my life. Um, And then when I'm in the throes of self-pity, I can't necessarily be useful to another alcoholic or another person. I um, had a situation, I think it was either the day or the day before or two days before Jerry had asked me to be on this show at work, I, um, one of my jobs that I have, I started off as an intern and I was an unpaid intern and now I'm an employee and I love my job and I'm very excited to go there every day. But I found out that a new intern we hired was getting paid and it just set me like spiraling. Like, Like, why why you know like I just felt like it was so unfair and I wanted people to tell me it was unfair the people I brought it up to I wanted them to say yeah that's so unfair like you deserve more than that yada 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 and it was just ego so what I did about that because I don't want you know the in the big book it says you know the it, I want to say grout it isn't grout grouch the grouch in the brainstorm is not for no. us <laughs> um so I called my sponsor on my lunch break and I told her and she's had one of her um she always has like a handful of things I think that she just kind of cycles through per my mood (laughs) in a mental state and that particular day she's an amazing sponsor she always knows exactly what to say but she was like have you prayed for this new intern I was like no why would I pray for this new intern and then it just kind of dawned on me oh I didn't even pray this morning like I didn't set myself up for the day and 
I'm letting my ego, instead of, you know, being the best employee I can be, I'm, you know, walking around talking about my own issues. So that was a situation that I had in sobriety, you know, where self-pity then became uselessness. And I quickly corrected it. You know, I talked with my sponsor. I did pray for the intern. Um, I'm actually on good terms and I talk with this intern and work well with them now. It's just, you know, that was a situation where my mental state and my spiritual state just wasn't quite right. So it kind of fell into that self-pity. And there's also been times in sobriety where self-pity should have cropped up, but because I was able to sort of reflect and practice gratitude and I had been doing that more regularly that I, it was okay. Like I had um, a huge trip planned. It was supposed to be going on in November, but then some scheduling with my, uh, my husband's job won't make it, won't allow me to be able to go um, because he's going to be out of the country. And so I, I'm instead of being really upset that, Oh, I can't go to Italy with my mom. I was just really grateful that I found out that he was going to be leaving before I was already in Italy. And then my two-year-old's just alone um, to fend for himself. I'm sure someone would have helped him out, but I was just more (laughs) grateful that I knew ahead of time than, you know, being depressed that I couldn't, you know, make the trip. But those just two sort of juxtapositions of how the spirit, you're my for me, I'll speak for myself. Um, you know, if my spiritual state isn't in a, you know, a good frame of mind or a good, if I haven't been pulling my weight and doing the work, I can either feel self-pity or I can just feel grateful that the situation isn't worse. What about you, Jay Wayne? Well, prior to getting, I always like looking at these, like how I was before I, got sober and took the steps and the feeling of uselessness and self-pity. My favorite is self-pity. I mean, I, I don't know that I ever really thought about being useless. I mean, I just knew I was useless because I was, um, but self-pity, I just loved self-pity. I loved making people feel sorry for me. I love feeling sorry for myself. I love making up stories for to my family and like people that I worked with so they would feel sorry for me always thinking I was like going to get something out of it it never really worked out all that well um and I think that when I so when I got sober and started taking the steps and actually made a few amends I I mean I would say that the the feelings about myself being worthless and the feelings about myself of thinking like, you know, I'm the the worst in the world and I've got things worse than other people that did start getting better. Um, particularly as I made a few amends, um, to a few family members and some financial got honest about some financial stuff and started, you know, slowly paying money back. It, it just made me, it made me feel better about myself that I was actually willing and trying to, to actually do the right thing and, and, and literally trying to correct some stuff and not, you know, working angles and bojangling and all that stuff. Um, so the, I mean, I think it, 
I still suffered with waves of self-pity off and on early on, but the, in general that those things got better. Yeah. Shank, did you look up useless or uh, self-pity? We normally, we normally don't know what they mean. We think we do, but. I think we, we probably knew what both of these meant this time. Um, useless, having uh, or being of no use, not able to give service or aid. Okay, that's pretty much what both of you all were talking about. Yep. <laughs> and self-pity, pity for oneself. And pity is sympathetic sorrow for one's suffering, distressed or unhappy, or something to be regretted. So I feel pretty confident that, um, Jerry, you and I knew the definition of this. Listening to our guest's experience, she definitely knows what these means. So yes, there's a first time for everything, folks. Just took six episodes for us to actually know the meaning of some words. So has there been a time in sobriety where uselessness and self-pity reappeared? And well, Ariana shared a few of them, but. Any other examples and what what you did to get rid of it? Listen, the way that these uh, appear in my life, I'm not saying that I never feel useless or self-pity in my every day-to-day life, but typically I don't feel that at work. I don't feel that in my family or my home. It is generally, I mean, I felt a Thursday night when I was at a committee meeting that I'm so (laughs) over being a part of. And, um, you know, it just is like this weird cyclical thing where, um, even though I've been treated pretty poorly (laughs) in this committee, um, some of it's self-inflicted. I do want to make sure everyone knows that. However, seeing other people get treated that way, um, it, it kind of like sparked something in my mind of like when I've been in this committee meeting several times over the last year and a half, I'll leave and just be like, no one listens to me. Like, I am so pissed. No one listens to me. And, and I have the, the information. Yeah. I know what I'm talking about. Um, I have experience in these exact issues. Yeah. And uh, I feel crazy because I leave a committee meeting feeling like um, useless and feeling self-pity for myself. So, yes, I have definitely felt those things. Now, what I have done... I think this is just a really good example for me to look back on all the time, just so that when these things do come up in my maybe work life or my home life, they don't get so out of hand. Like maybe these situations have an AA service, but reach out to people that have a lot more sobriety than I do. And I loop them into what's going on. And I say, Hey, is this the way this is supposed to go? Is this how this is supposed to function? What are the bylaws of this committee? What are the, like, am I understanding this correctly? And um, I was. So, of course, that makes me feel really great. But there are times when I'm wrong, too. So, and within this situation over the last year and a half, there have been times where I've been told, I've been looked in the face by someone I really respect who's been sober three times as long as me, like, oh, no, you're wrong. That's not right. This is actually what that means. (laughs) So it's being able to be like, oh, okay, well, then I'm going to shut that one down. I'm not going to talk about that one anymore, or I'll clean it up um, if I can within the committee. Um, 
But typically for me, like I make mistakes in Alcoholics Anonymous, and I'm not saying that this is the way this is supposed to go, but um, my home group committees I'm a part of, um, I make mistakes in Alcoholics Anonymous and learn how to clean it up that way. I typically don't have to repeat those same mistakes mm-hmm. at work, yeah. at home, out in the real free world. Um, that's not saying that I try to behave poorly in Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't, but. Y'all are just usually the ones that really just put me there. Yeah. Well, it is, it is aggravating when you know you've got more experience than everybody else and they don't want to hear you. <laughs> Very frustrating. Oh, my goodness. Ariana, you got any other experience with that? One of the things that um, you just said about I also do I have to ask other people in the program's opinion about the things that I'm doing, because a lot of the time I'm wrong and I always think I'm right, but I really am grateful for the ability to hear and listen and accept when people tell me I'm not right in my thinking, because then I can actually grow and change from it. You know, I think that if I was going to, you know, list off all the times I've felt self-pity in my, um, pre-sobriety life we would need to turn this into like a nightly sitcom right versus a weekly (laughs) podcast um but now it just comes the self-pity and feelings of uselessness come in much less frequent waves and when they do come you know the program gives me the tools to deal with them and if i don't know what to do i can always have someone i can call and ask yeah I think one of the one of the things that's helped me the most specifically with feelings of uselessness and self-pity is helping other people, especially new people in the program. Um, and I know some of y'all have heard this story a, a thousand times, but I can remember being really new sober and was crying about my wife not coming back and they weren't paying me enough and all this and my sponsor said, well, why don't you go to that halfway house and pick those guys up and take them to a meeting? And I'm like, yeah, that just doesn't look like a solution. Mm-hmm. No, they need to pay me more money and I need my wife to come back. That's the solution. But you know what? I went and picked these guys up and took them to a meeting and then I, I took them back to the house. And after listening to all the problems they had going on, man, I was glad to have my problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And that's, that's typically why it's important for us to stay close to, to people. And because I mean, I, when you stay close to a new person and see the struggles they're going through, it really puts things in, into perspective of, you know, I don't have it bad. Well, not just that, which, um, you know, I, I totally have that same feeling all the time today, helping others, but I've learned that there are things in my life that just look really, Um, like in my family life, there's a lot of crazy things that still go on and I no longer, uh, desire, need, want that self-pity. So I typically only talk to people who have an understanding of what a family like mine may look like. Um, because I don't want people to say, Oh my God, you're so amazing. I can't believe you did that. That's great. Are you okay? Because it's not like that anymore. It's like, Hey, roll of the dice. 
these yep. people are who they are. I show up in the way that I can, which Alcoholics Anonymous taught me how to do. So I don't have to, even though there are things that people could really pity me for, I'm like, no, like, I love these family members. They are who they are. And uh, yep. I don't need to, I don't need that either. Yeah. You've grown up, Shank. Some may disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Let's, uh, you want to move on to the battle of the books? All right. Battle of the books. Let's get ready to rumble. We are. All right, Ariana, get ready. I'm excited. Six round six. All right. Battle of the books. We have a reading about step six from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and one from the 12 by 12. We will vote after we read both, maybe have a little discussion on which we would like to keep. Now, Shank, the, the big book is undefeated through five rounds, right? So far, the big book is undefeated, correct? It might go down today. Let's see we'll what see. happens. When you get into those later steps, I mean, I'm not trying to sway anyone's opinion, but when you get into the later steps in the 12 by 12. Oh, it's powerful. There, there's a little bit of powerful information in there. Okay. Our first reading comes from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, page 76. And it says, If we can answer to our satisfaction, we then look at step six. We have emphasized willingness as being indispensable. Are we now ready to let God remove from us all the things which we have admitted are objectionable? Can he now take them all, everyone? If we still cling to something we will not let go, we ask God to help us be willing wow okay and then we have the 12 by 12 from page 68 and it says if we would gain any real knowledge in the use of this step on problems other than alcohol we shall need to make a brand new venture into open-mindedness we shall need to raise our eyes toward perfection and be ready to walk in that direction it will seldom matter how haltingly we walk the only question will be are we ready What do y'all think? Who picks these? <laughs> Ariana, what kind of question is that? Well, if I, I was just thinking, you know, if you got if the big book keeps winning, who's in charge of picking these? Because chat are they GPT. just yeah? We got the chat bot on it. We use an AI. Oh, okay. Pick some right. for us. Right. Yeah. So, so you think not, it's. So now you're trying to say that the system's rigged, that whoever's picking them out, they're they're swaying it towards the big book? Yeah, I was moving towards that, but you shut me down. <laughs> well, it sounds like you already are a fan of the big book. I am just a fan of competition. I'm, I, we can, I, we're, we're pitting books against each other. It's your, great. Uh, your, your debate skills are, are kicking in. I can see this. I like <laughs> it. Good entertainment. Yes. So what so, do you think? What do y'all think? I like the big book one because it says something that speaks to me. Like if we cling to something, we will not let go. We ask God to help us to be willing. And I just love holding on to things I don't need to be holding on to. So, I mean, that particular quote just really stood out to me. Something that I needed to hear today and probably every day for the rest of my life. But I don't want to knock the 12 by 12 either. Let me see if I can get something good from there. I'm going to back through that. You got the name right. 12 by 12. Yes. What do you think about it? 
see. Jay Wayne, what are your comments? I can tell that you're you're kind of leaning toward the twelve by twelve. It would seem. Well, I I I'll give the twelve by twelve a little credit on this one because it does ask the question at the end: Are we ready? Which is basically what step six is. Step six is basically just a question: Are you are you ready? Um, I don't. I don't know about the, we shall need to raise our eyes towards perfection. <laughs> I mean, what the, I mean, what does that mean? Not, and be ready to walk in that direction. Progress, not perfection. Is that just trying to say that more eloquently? It, it could be. Yeah, it could be. Um, a brand yes. new venture. Now I do like the idea of, where it says we use this step on problems other than alcohol. But that's not new information in the 50, in 1953 when this was written. I mean, the big book already covered that because if you follow the process of the steps in the book, when you get to step six, you've just done your fifth step. And your fifth step is not about drinking. Your fifth step has your, right, all your resentments and fears and your conduct and people that you've harmed. And if you've done it through the process of the book, you looked at self-centeredness and self-pity and mistakes and personal ambitions and all that stuff. So, so it, we already know it's not about just drinking. Right. So I don't know. It's just the, the 12 by 12 is a little, a little confusing to me that I, I like the simplicity of step six in the big book. And that's all step six really is, is that, it's a small part of the process of, Hey, I'm ready to change. I say the prayer in seven and then I let the other steps basically help me change long-term. So I don't know, Shank, what you think. I know you're leaning how, towards how that 12 by 12. How can a step 12. be so short? That's a good question. There's also a prayer in the step six, right? If we still cling to something, we'll not let go. We ask God to help us be willing. There's another prayer. God help me to be willing to let go of these things. But it is a little short, isn't it? Remember, Shank, if there was more you could do, there'd be more written. I looked up haltingly. What you got? Um, marked by a lack of sureness or effectiveness. How are we? We're walking. We're nervous. Doesn't matter if we're nervous will seldom matter how haltingly we walk. It's I mean, losing like, me there. Yeah, I feel like he just makes stuff up on on some of that. I mean, it's like... I am ready. I like when it, you know, are you ready? I like mm-hmm. that. I do too. What do you think, Jay Wayne? Are you keeping the big book or the 12 by 12? I'm going to... Um, I'm going with the big book on this one. Yeah, you no. are wearing your pink shirt and your pink glasses, so no, uh, we all have on glasses my, today. Actually, look at that glasses. I don't think. I guess they do have pinks on the sides of them. Look you know that they do. For anyone who doesn't know, <laughs> Jay Wayne in person, I, his his glasses match his clothing, and that's I, just a fact. I got pink shoes on too. <laughs> 
All right. Ariana, what do you think? Which one are you uh, going with? We ask God to help us be willing. I'm going to go with the big book. There you go. All right. The big book Shank. is still undefeated. I go with the big book. The 12 and 12 sucks. <laughs> You're always going to go with the big book. <laughs> well, according to you, Ariana, we we stack it. It's like rigged towards the Listen, big book. Listen, I let you go first because maybe I could change my answer. Just to go against Jay. I didn't know I was supposed to be convincing you of the 12 by 12. No. Well, you're not. I'm just kidding. It's so the big book is still undefeated. Six rounds. Yep. Six wins for the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Yep. So one more round and it's officially won. It may lose a few battles, but it's uh more will be revealed. I wonder if the big book's amazed since it's halfway through. Ask it. Oh my goodness. In your meditation. I will ask in my morning meditation. I may even ask my friends and family to join me in morning meditation. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Ariana, we're glad that you uh came on with us today and shared your experience. Yes, thank you so much for having me. This is enjoyable. I feel like we're all in the same room together. I love that. Yes, it's been a pleasure to have you on. And if you're out there, if you want to be free, take the steps out of the book, Alcoholics Anonymous, and continue to listen for uh, more of Ariana's story. Hi, I'm Ariana. I'm an alcoholic. Um, I'm so grateful to be here tonight. Hopefully that's just going to fall down. All right. I'll put that right there. Um, Thank you, River. So when River asked me to speak here, um, he he called me, and I was taking a break um, because I was feeding my son, who's a toddler, and if you have a toddler, you know that's really difficult because they don't want anything you give them. So I just needed to, like, take a moment to, like, recenter myself. um, So I couldn't answer the phone right then. And then I called him back, and he asked me to speak here, and when we were in the conversation, I think I said something like, so I don't really understand, like, what I'm supposed to be talking about. And he told me just to pray about it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really good advice, but I did need to know what the topic was. <laughs> but I did pray about it, and then I asked someone else, and they told me what it was. So, I'm all set. Um, so... I have a little note sheet. I'm not just going to read off of it, but I have a really bad attention span. So if I just start talking about something that does not pertain to this, I'll be like, oh, right, that is not on my list of things to discuss. Um, the continue, improve, and practice. So let me back up. Um, my sobriety date is February 14th of 2021. The first time I ever picked up a white chip was February 10th of 2015. So I have a lot of firsthand experience um, in what happens if you don't do the steps uh, to the best of your abilities. I know exactly how that goes. So, and does not go well. So when I came back into Alcoholics Anonymous in 2021, and I was like, okay, I'm really going to give this a shot. Like, I'm going to do whatever my sponsor tells me to do. I just want to be sober. Life is not good. Um, And that's what I did. And it, interestingly enough, was very simple, but it wasn't very easy. Um, 
So in the big book, it tells us, for, you know, step 10, it tells us to can take continuous personal inventory. Um, and for me, sometimes that looks like when I'm laying in bed at night, going back through, like, oh, wow, I really shouldn't have given Jerry such a hard time about spilling my name wrong on the flyer. Or, um, <laughs> or whatever I've done that day. Um, but sometimes it also looks like, so in my home group um, on Thursdays, so they're doing their thing right now, on Thursdays we go out to eat afterwards, right? Um, and sometimes it just looks like whoever I'm sitting next to saying, like, how was your day? And they tell me, and then they ask me how my day was. And I was like, you know, I really didn't have enough patience with my husband. I was just, I snapped at him, you know, whatever it might be. Um, I think that's something that maybe people don't always think about when they think about, like, your continuous uh, personal inventory. Like, you, you can tell, you can write it down in your journal, you can tell someone else. You just be honest about who you are as a person and then try to improve that. Um, and then use what you've improved about yourself to then help somebody else. Like on page 84 in the big book, you know, it says when it go, it's talking about step 10, it says we discuss them, them being whatever we've done, you know, our resentments, our issues that have come up that day and immediately, you know, quickly make amends for them. And then we turn our thoughts to help somebody. Um, it's very easy for me to think that like, oh, I'm doing so good at AA. I've done X, Y, and Z service commitment. But then, you know, as soon as I let up and sort of like rest on my laurels, like I start to get irritable, restless, discontent, all the things that the program tells us will happen if we stop working hard. Um, because alcohol is a subtle foe. So yeah, I just have to stay really mindful of that. Um, and part of what helps me stay mindful, and it might work for you too, you can try it, um, is daily <laughs> meditation, right? Um, so I usually, when I wake up in the morning, I try to wake up before my son, and that usually works out okay, um, but sometimes he decides that he wants to wake up before the sun comes up, and then I just don't have my alarm set properly. But my goal is to always wake up, uh, kneel down on the side of, my bed, or sometimes it's the couch. Like if I've made it into the living room and I'm like, I didn't pray. All right, kneeling at the couch. And I say the third step prayer. Um, sometimes I say the morning prayer, which is, it's pretty much just what's on page 86. Um, but I have it, it's like, God direct my thinking today so that it be divorced of self-pity, dishonesty, self-will, self-seeking, and fear. Inspire my thinking, my decisions, my intuition. Help me relax and take it easy. Free me from doubt, indecision, and anxiety. And guide me through this day and help me to be a vessel. What you would have me be for everyone I run into today. Um, so that's my morning, right? Uh, but it doesn't stop there because I'm a flawed human being. And my sponsor, you know, it instructed me that my thinking is not always right. So... I have to work on that throughout the day. And a lot of times that takes the form of prayer. Um, I didn't have my license for the first good bit of my sobriety, and now I have it. So now I have even more opportunities to pray. So I'll be driving down the highway, and Blue Nissan is doing something insane. And I'll be like, oh my gosh, God, let's just pray for Blue Nissan. Um, Blue Nissan is not being safe. But it does help with what would possibly be road rage, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, 
I have to pray before I speak anywhere. So, and we'll talk a little bit about, you know, service um, in our next step that I speak about in a few minutes here. But, so before I speak at a service commitment or before I spoke here tonight, I, I was like, Harris, we have to go outside. You have to pray me up. Like, um, before I, and my sponsor helped me with this because um, I grew up uh, in a, like a, denomination where we just recited prayers so I didn't really know how to talk to God at first and before I had something big the next day be court or job interview or whatever I would call her and she would pray with me and that sort of taught me how to talk to God um, which I'm very grateful for because it is a wonderful thing to be able to do and then just sometimes you know throughout the day Something will happen, I'll feel sort of irritated, and I'll just use this little motto that my sponsor told me that was like, bless them, change me. And I think that really covers anything I could possibly run into. Um, and then I have one sponsee who every night, almost every night, um, we, we call, she calls and then I do, we say like our night prayers together, um, which is nice. And that's sort of just like a hybrid of everything that's on page 86 as well. We have like our own little night prayer. Um, I could stand up here and read prayers to you guys. I don't think that I will. Um, but I could tell you afterwards if you would like me to tell you the night prayer. And that sort of the night prayer it kind of molds together within the tenth step, like nightly reflection. And that's sort of the beautiful thing about all the steps is because they all go together. Um... Now, step 12 is my favorite, and at first, I only liked one part of it. Um, so, it starts out, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry the message to alcoholics. And I was like, got it. I love talking to people. Like, this is my jam. And then it was like, we have to practice all the, these principles in all of our affairs. And I was like, what? <laughs> That's a lot of stuff. Okay. So, what are these principles? Because... That was a question I had, too. I was like, well, what are these principles that you want me to do? Um, step one, honesty. Step two, hope. Step three, faith. The honesty, I was already like, excuse me. Um, this is not going to work for me. I have since worked on that. Um, step two, hope. Step three, faith. Step four, courage. Step five, integrity. Another one that you definitely had to work on. I feel good about it now. Uh, step six, willingness. Step seven, humility. Step eight, brotherly love, which I guess that's brotherly love. Is that true, Jerry? Is it brotherly love? Is that not right? I don't know. All right. <laughs> this is what it says in, like, the 12-step companion app. Sisterly so, love. Sisterly love? Yeah. Human love. Human love. <laughs> uh, step nine, justice. Step ten, perseverance. Step 11, spirituality. And step 12, service. Um, or... You know, for our purposes tonight, continue and prove in practice. So that was rough because I was like, I don't live by principles. I live by doing whatever I want all of the time. Um, so I definitely had to work with a sponsor on those things and also just really dive into the fellowship, right? Like get to know the people in my home group, go out to dinners with them. If they ask me to do something you know, AA-related, go. Be with these people. Learn how to live like a productive human being in society. Because I might right now look like a productive human being that exists in society, but that is not always who I was. 
but thankfully through AA, that's who I learned how to be. So now backtracking to the part of the 12 step that I was really excited about, um, was carrying the message to other alcoholics. Um, I have a sponsor, she has a sponsor, and I also have the opportunity to sponsor other women. And, you know, that has been one of the best parts of my sobriety because it really helps me get outside of myself and just learn how I can be of service to other people. Um, I don't always know, you know, what to do or what to say exactly right. Um, so then I ask my sponsor if it's something that, you know, me and my sponsor and her sponsor, we all don't know how to handle, then I call Susie. Like, <laughs> depending on where my sponsor is possibly located. Um, uh, another thing is, so, service work. Um, my home group, thankfully, is really big on service work, so there's so many opportunities to get involved. Um, so, fun story. I found out about AA um, from my dad, right? And he's not an alcoholic, but he's a police officer. And they go through this thing called crisis intervention training, um, which is a week where law enforcement officers sit and they learn about all these different things that help people in crisis. And there's a consumer panel where AA members come, they hand out their pamphlets, they tell the officers what AA is, they hand them their pamphlets, they go home, and the officers either throw them away or they, put, they take their whole white binder and they put it in their closet and they save it for when they have to introduce their daughter to AA because that's what happened to my dad. Um, but now I actually... It was, it, he brought his whole white binder um, when I got my first DUI, and he was like, you need to go to AA. And I was like, what? <laughs> um, no, thank you. But now I have the opportunity, and I actually go and I speak at these CIT trainings, which is huge. And they always get a kick out of the fact that like, I found out about AA because of this training. And it maybe makes them feel like it's a little bit more worthwhile of their time, I hope. Um, Another thing, uh, Second Chance, the Second Chance program with uh, high school and middle school kids in the county that I live in, they get a drug or alcohol behavior related charge instead of going straight to juvenile court. They can go through this program and they let me speak to these children. And um, I sort of talked to them about AA, what it did for my life and how I could have probably benefited had I stopped drinking and using when I was in high school. Um, attitude adjustments, uh, these are my forte, it's the speaking at the DUI school, uh, where I have a lot of experience, um, I can tell you how to get a DUI, and I can also tell you how to prevent getting more DUIs, uh, um, thankfully, right. Um, so, I'm excited to hear what Graham from Scotland, but also from Virginia Beach, has to say next. What? He's from West Virginia. He's from West Virginia. <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, I'm just going to read my closing quote at this rate. It's <laughs> <is> embarrassing. <laughs> anyways, so page 317 of the big book says, Following the principles laid out in the big book has not always been comfortable, nor will I claim perfection. I have yet to find a place in the big book that says, now you have completed the steps. Have a nice life. The program is a place for a lifetime of daily living. There have been occasions or temptation to slack off. I view each of these as a learning opportunity. 
When I am willing to do the right thing, I am rewarded with an inner peace no amount of liquor could ever provide. When I'm unwilling to do the right thing, I become irritable, restless, and discontent. This is always my choice. Through the 12 steps, I have been granted the gift of choice. I am no longer at the mercy of a disease that tells me the only answer is to drink. If willingness is the key to unlock the gates of hell, then it is action that opens those doors that we may walk freely among the living. Thanks for listening. If you have a comment, suggestion, or just need help, you can email Shank and Wayne at freedom at alcoholicsalive.com. Remember, we're recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous, but we do not speak for Alcoholics Anonymous, nor do we get paid. Join us next week for another great episode.